0: Good Life, I'm Dean Wilson. I'm so glad you're with us today. Goodlifetelevision.org is where you can find us 24 hours a day. Uh, All the interviews are there. Um, We've had some amazing, remarkable guests over time that I think you'll really enjoy. Uh, The goal here is to inspire, to honor, to educate, to encourage, to empower. Uh, We're talking about the good stuff, the good stuff uh, in life. And that doesn't mean we gloss over the difficulties of the tough stuff. We talk about tough stuff like we talk about brain injury, which is what we're doing today. So we we, we talk about everything, uh, but we do dwell on the good and we dwell on try to light a candle uh, kind of in the current world environment that we find ourselves. So we hope you'll check out goodlifetelevision.org. We'd love to have you join us there. and I'm really excited about my guest today. Uh, Douglas and Spencer Doman are with me. Welcome, gentlemen. Uh, Douglas is the president and Spencer, the CEO of Doman International, which can be found at domaninternational.org, which is D-O-M-A-N, international.org, domaninternational.org. Uh, this is a, a family, um, starting with Douglas's father, Glenn Doman, who has been doing work with special needs, brain injured um, individuals, specifically children, for the last 65 years. So in terms of authorities on brain injury and how to treat a brain injured, especially child, but, but anyone, um, how to treat that person to help them live the best life they can, to help them move towards wellness, towards improvement, towards growth. This, this, I, I would argue that this organization, Doman International, and these folks are probably the utmost authority on this in this area people come from all over the world to see them in philadelphia pennsylvania in addition to their sites internationally uh, to, to see them so that they can get help so one of the reasons we're having them on Is that if there are families out there um, that are watching that have a special needs child or have a neighbor that has a special needs child, whether it's whatever the diagnosis is, whether it's down syndrome, autism, cerebral palsy, basic learning difficulties, dyslexia, there's a whole there's dozens of them um, and they're looking for answers. They're looking for help. How do I help my child? I would highly encourage you send them to international.org because these folks are the best in the business. So that's my intro, long intro, but it had to be done. Um, in this particular show, we're going to talk about dyslexia um, and, and, and learning difficulties, which is probably on the really mild end of the spectrum of brain injury, but it's, it's a big deal. Um, in fact, I remember. I was, I'm getting these flashbacks of being in your auditorium. Um, I remember one of the things you guys taught uh, us was that sometimes the kid that you're worried about the most is the one who looks normal, that where it doesn't look like there's a brain injury, and that would be this category of, of a kid who looks normal but just can't read or can't keep up or can't because maybe the letters are being flipped, if they're just like, whatever it is. And so so while this is a mild end of the spectrum, it's a really important one. Um, and especially for the families of these kids. And, and because, you know, how a kid starts in school, how a kid succeeds or doesn't, just has such a huge impact on their self-esteem, their confidence, their success, their life. So I think it's important. And I love that you guys, you know, do too. So just maybe start with kind of just define dyslexia. You know, according to the stats, we found one in five students have a language-based learning disability, the most common being dyslexia. About six to 7% of the school population worldwide qualifies for special education due to a learning disability, and about 85% of those are a reading or language disability according to the International Dyslexia Association. So this is a, prominent, a prevalent thing. So kind of just define it and take us through.
1: Well, there are you know, a couple of things. As you know, Dean, we very much object to the labels that are put on children, and we we object to dyslexia just as strongly as the other ones that we've discussed. and. Dyslexia means can't read, <laughs> you know, okay. Well, you know, when it comes to Russian, Chinese, Arabic, I'm dyslexic, you know, and uh, probably hopeless as well, <laughs> um, but not in the case of children. These children have great potential to learn to read. Um, we've been doing this for 60 years and um, it's it's a mild brain injury um, and yet, you can see that it affects so many children. Mm -hmm. And just this, if Domen International was to put all its time and effort into these kids, um, it would make a huge difference in terms of the world. Now, the two children that we talk about scaring us the most are on one hand that immobile, um, blind child um, that is seizuring, um, because in many cases, their lives are at risk. the world expects nothing of such children even though they have great potential and we've graduated some of those children you know to wellness and we're working with them all the time but the dyslexic child who looks fine um, the whole world expects him to perform just like he looks like all the other children and so what happens is when he fails due to his mild brain injury because he can't read People think he is lazy, crazy, or stupid, yes. and he's not either any of those yes. things. And that is, you know, anybody thinks of you and acts like you're lazy, crazy, and stupid. Well, if enough people do it, before long, one thinks I must be lazy, crazy, and stupid, right. um, which is just terrible. Right. Uh, when it's all completely untrue.
2: The most, you know,
1: famous uh, judge in Philadelphia
2: that presided over juvenile cases. Uh, she, she once said that every child who stands in her courtroom, uh, has two things in common. She said, number one, uh, they're in trouble. That's why they're in a courtroom. And number two, they can't read. And so she, yeah, yeah. So she found that it didn't matter if they came from the richest family or the poorest family, if they can't read well, uh, a lot of kids will act out because if you can imagine if, you know, at a certain point, very often these kids are very hard workers, right? So they know they have a reading and learning difficulty. They try really, really hard. And then once, and and they keep failing. And the, if the rest of the world treats you like you're lazy, crazy, or stupid, at a certain point, sadly, some of the kids start to believe it. And if you can imagine that sense of feeling that way, you know, some kids will act out right? because that's the, you know.
0: That's incredible. What a powerful statement from the judge. Yeah. It makes perfect sense. And as we talked about in another episode, you know, naming, you know, so we talk about these labels, like, and you know, somebody might say, well, it's not that big of a deal. I think it's a really big deal. No, oh, yeah. a really big deal. Naming, you know, is, is a huge deal. Yeah. If somebody's calling you these names over time, yeah, I mean, you do start to believe it, I can imagine. And then you, you actually it's a self-fulfilling prophecy in a sense yeah I mean you become it right I mean if you believe it you're going to become it
2: right because if someone tells you know a nine-year-old kid oh you're dyslexic you're unable to read right the kid says oh okay I guess I can't learn to read and so uh it kind of kills that child's will and I would I would say probably of any Dome Method program, our reading program, has the highest success rate. I think oh, when it, it the is, The statistics yeah. are, it's, are there. Our, the, the success rate is so high, it almost makes me uncomfortable because I'm afraid people will think that the numbers You're aren't truth. Mark. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. it's 97% of the kids on our program learn to read. Wow. Um, and so- And it, often above age level. Yeah, and it's not simply because of our reading program. We do other programs for brain development, which help the child's reading. I don't want to say it's just the way we we do reading, but our our reading method, methodology, which my grandfather Glenn Doman, started in 1964 with his book "How to Teach Your Baby to Read," uh, so our reading program can be used with children with learning difficulties, but it could it can be used with all kids. I was raised on the program.
1: Right, and you turned out well. Uh, yeah, I, I
2: hope so. I
0: don't know everything. Yeah. <laughs>
1: But How to Teach Your Baby to Read is an incredible book, um, which is... Uh, and that's stud- available still. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, uh, it has been translated into 20 languages um, wow. around the world. It's an international bestseller. In fact, uh, all of our, uh, our whole series of books uh, for child development is the best-selling series of books in history. Uh, for children in terms of our physical book, uh, Fit Baby, Smart Baby, Your Baby, How to Teach Your Baby to Read, uh, How to Multiply Your Baby's Intelligence, uh, How to Teach Your Baby Math. These are all part of our books, which you know, of course, you learned uh, through the program, but it's all available to the public in many, many different languages. That's wonderful. And, you know, talking about these kids, I think we all have the memory in first and second grade, third grade where, you know, the teacher made us stand up and read and none of us were very happy about doing that, but we did it. But then you'd get to uh, one or a couple kids in the class and we all knew when it got to that kid standing up and he'd stop and, uh, and obviously it was very difficult and a painful experience and we're all there feeling the pain for him uh, and thinking, what is wrong with him? Come on, man, why can't you read that? I mean, it's so easy. Uh, but, you know, that's the kid who then ends up in trouble. Right. I remember
0: my first grade.
1: I was ahead. Mrs. Woodland.
0: Uh, I, that brings back fond memories. But you know what? I was ahead, and I remember being affirmed for that. Mrs. Woodland thought I was an all-star. <laughs> You know, and maybe I started to think I was an all star. Right. Exactly. You know, I mean, that's the reverse of this. Yeah. Absolutely. Let's talk about dyslexia. What is the brain injury and how does it materialize into the, into affecting somebody's reading?
2: Well, uh, I think that our uh, often the way our educational system approaches teaching these kids reading, unfortunately, is is all wrong. So, you know, when when humans are born, there's a certain area of our brain called the, the visual word form area, and this is the part of our brain that we use uh, to, to read and recognize words, right? So when you and I read our visual word form area is interpreting the words on the page, right. one You're of the not cr-
0: sounding them out every time.
2: You're not sounding it out. Right. You right. See it and You see out. that word, and your brain immediately knows, "Oh, that's the word "apple," right? right. And so uh, we, basically we view words as images. And one of the crazy things is actually the visual word form area of the brain is already developed when we're born. They've they've shown this with functional MRI. This is the latest brain imaging technology. They see with babies at three months old, their visual word form area is already developed, like it is for us in you know adulthood. And so that, that's why we've known for you know many many years that uh, you know tiny babies, little kids can learn how to read words. How to teach
1: your baby to read, the The name of the book. book.
2: Uh, So unfortunately when these kids with reading difficulties, with learning difficulties get to school. Th- these kids are taught like all other kids. Very often, they're taught
1: how to sound out letters, right? And, the, and I just said, Matt, and we've lost six years, um, right. waiting for them to go to school, right? Um, uh, well, yeah. Which is completely unnecessary. Yeah, and disadvantageous. Yeah, and you see,
2: the the crazy thing is, uh, just almost everyone, you know, most people learn how to read. Phonetically by sounding out letters, right? right? Maybe that's the way you learned how to read. Right. Uh, but the, the thing is, if you have no neurodevelopmental issue, your brain figures it out, and your brain learns how to read words as you know. Right. Yeah. So your your brain figures it out in the end. But if you have a neurological issue, like a child with dyslexia, their brain can't take those individual letters, uh, put them together, and read the word as a whole. And so Uh, we, we need to teach the child in the way that they can learn best, which is teaching them how to read with whole words. Uh, and so very often, you know, I remember, but I've been doing this for 15 years now, but I remember the first reading program that I ever taught to a child. He was 12 years old. He had failed to learn to read in school for six years. And within six months, he went from unable to read anything to reading at a third grade level in just six months on on the program. And it really, in the end for that kid, the answer was just teaching him how to read words rather than letters. If someone else had, you, you know, he didn't even need the Doman Method, if someone else had just taken that approach, he would have succeeded in the end, but.
1: Wow. Yeah.
0: So, so, okay, but. You said the the in a dyslexic case. What what is the a, a child who's diagnosed as dyslex yeah. dyslexic? What is the case? That that's the child that cannot read by by seeing the word.
2: Correct. Yeah. So they have the to. They're often, trying to sound it out. Yeah. Well. So they will. So Right. Dyslexia is often a catch-all term for a kid with a a reading problem. So some kids might be completely unable to read. They may not even be able to recognize letters. Uh, You know, all the way to children who, you know, read with a lot of difficulty. Uh, So again, it's kind of a catch-all term for kids with, with reading
0: problems. And is uh, I my understanding of dyslexia was always that that, uh, and I think I learned this from you, but that that the, the 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 visual pathway, you know, the the brain connecting to the eye, that right. there was bec- there was a convergence problem a good, between right. the two There's eyes good, that flipped the.
2: That's right. So one of the most amazing abilities of the human brain is visual convergence. So what our brain does, we have two eyes, right, right? and our two eyes have two different images of the world. And our brain fits those two different images together in one perfect, clear image, right? So we see one world, we don't see two worlds, right? And so, but unfortunately for for many kids uh, with special needs, uh, they have a convergence issue. And the issue might be so mild that People don't even note a problem. Some kids, you can see they obviously have a problem. An eye might drift inward or outward, and so parents can see, oh, there's an eye alignment issue. But some kids, it's so mild, you know, only an experienced professional could, could see it.
1: But it's not a problem in the eyeball. It's a problem in the brain. Right. right. The eyeball is perfectly fine. It's the brain where the problem is. Right,
2: because the the eye muscles are controlled by the brain, right? And so there might be a little bit of rigidity in those eye muscles because the brain development isn't isn't normal. But the the problem is if your two eyes aren't working together perfectly, you're going to have double vision or blurry vision. And so learning how to read becomes a whole lot harder if you're not looking at one word, you're looking at You know two words basically and maybe that word is even moving yeah I actually I remember there was one child who started the Dunman method program again he was I think 10 years old had failed to learn to read in school and he hated reading so much he refused to read right he had just given up and so his uh, when his parents started our program uh, he said I'll only do this program if I don't have to read so parents said, OK, we'll do the rest of the Doman method program, you know, and we'll hold off on reading. And six months later, so he, six months after doing the program, he came you know, for his next visit. Right? And uh, he opened, you know, as part of his evaluation, he had to open up a book and, and read from it. And he, he didn't want to because he hadn't read for six months. And he, uh, he said, fine, you know, I'll, I'll read. So he opened it up, and he read the entire page. So this is a child, we hadn't done any reading program with him, we had just done the other activities to help his visual convergence. Ah. And when he got to the bottom of the page, he looked up and he said to his mom, wow, it's really easy to read when the words don't dance.
0: Oh my so
2: his God. entire life, the words were dancing, and uh, he just couldn't see the words clearly. Uh, now. You know, I think it's hard for a lot of parents to understand this, but if you have a child with a neurodevelopmental issue, they've only experienced the world they've experienced it. Right. So they often don't even realize that what they're experiencing is different from everyone else. This boy just assumed, oh, the words dance for everyone. I'm just the the idiot who can't figure it out. Um, so this poor kid was was dealing with that the, the whole
0: time. Wow. Yeah. So. A parent, so whatever the reason is, child can't read, they come to you, you've seen a lot of them, whatever they've been diagnosed as dyslexia or not. What you're saying is by treating a uh, treatment program that is targeting the brain right. and the visual pathway, you, you see results. You can fix this. Yes. I mean, you've done it thousand times, right? Yeah,
2: exactly. I mean, I would even say that, a, a, you know, a reading problem or difficulty is one of the easier um, symptoms of brain injury that we, that and we have know, to fix. And need to tell yeah.
0: people about this, if you're watching, <laughs> forward this to five friends.
2: Well, and, and keep in mind, 60, 67% of American fourth graders aren't reading at age level. 60, two-thirds of kids are not reading at age
1: level right now. So this is a the problem. The
0: impact of that on their life is just... Not, you can't even quantify it.
1: Yeah. And you know the the convergent issue, convergence issue that Spencer mentioned. Um, a lot of that can simply be fixed because the words are too small. So if the child has a convergence problem, the words are too tiny to see. So that's why we teach children with big words, um, so that even if they're converging, um, it's a big enough word that they can still see that that says apple. Right. So.
2: Do you mind if I say one thing about that? So, um, you know, if you think about the way we we learn language, right, as as babies, right, Um, we hear the language spoken by adults around us, right? And adults speak to babies and young children in a very natural way. We don't even think about it. First of all, when we talk to babies, we speak to them in a very loud voice, right? So we'll go, hi! How are you? Right? That's how we talk to babies. Or
0: ga ga goo goo. Well, yeah, hopefully, hopefully not.
2: not. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you Tom's not to Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> and uh, so we speak in a loud voice. We speak in a very clear voice, right? No one mumbles when they talk to a baby. Uh, And we also repeat things often, right, to babies and small children. We'll say, you know, how are you? How are you, You Yeah, like that. And it's because we know instinctively as human adults, we need to give kids, you know, repeated information for them to learn it. So when we teach children to read, keep in mind, reading is just visual language. Right, It's just our eyes decoding language instead of our ears. Uh, We present words to the child in a large, clear, and repeated way. So large words written clearly, and we repeat it often. So of course, if you teach a, if a child has a reading problem and you say, here's the word elephant, right? You write it up on a big card and you say, here's the word elephant. You can't expect the child to learn how to read that word after one time, but if you teach it three times a day for five days, so you give them 15 repetitions of that same word, uh, we, we find that the vast majority of kids can, can learn to read the words. And then, as you can imagine then, w- once that child knows they can read one word, um, their, their confidence completely changes, right? right? Now they're like, oh, I can read. I'm a reader. I'm a reader, yeah. Right, and, that's, and then they're ready.
0: Yeah, and, and that, that, that's a good point in terms of a principle, w- whether it's reading or anything else. You guys have talked, to, taught us and talked about for years, intensity, frequency, duration. Did I get that right? Yeah. See, yeah, exactly. 17 yeah. years. <laughs> was in my intensity, frequency, and duration. So frequency being repetition, repetition. duration being doing it right. over a long period of time. But training the brain, I mean, that's true for a golf swing. Absolutely. You know, yeah, it's, right. tr- exactly. it's true for a golf swing. It's true for a shooting a free throw. And it's true for reading. I mean, that's just the way the brain works, wouldn't you say? I mean, is that, talk about that.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, just about learning any activity, a sport, for example, uh, if you go to a teacher, they'll teach you the best frequency, intensity, and duration to do that activity for for you to get better right if you go to a personal trainer they'll say you know this is how many push-ups you should do right and this is how exactly the intensity you should do it and this is the the duration and so that's that's basically what we do for parents we teach them the frequency intensity and duration of different activities uh the ideal frequency intensity and duration to stimulate the brain to get the best results
0: and that's kind of across the, the spectrum of the program. I mean, from physical programs, yes. to reading, to breathing.
1: Yeah, basic philosophy of brain growth and development.
0: So that's just how
2: it works. Yeah, because, and I mean, the frequent, this is such such an important thing, because many of the things that we've been talking about, um, the world has started to catch on to it, right? The, the idea that teaching uh, sight words, for example, there are a lot of teachers who, who know that that approach is important, right? Um, but the thing is, if they don't know the correct frequency, intensity, and duration to do it, you're not going to get the, the best possible results. Uh, for example, one, one thing we've been teaching um, for a long time is that crawling and creeping is very important. These are, uh, you know, crawling on the belly, creeping on the hands and knees, they're very important for brain development. And obviously, average children go through these milestones on their way to walking, but a lot of parents don't realize that these milestones are really, really important for brain development. Now, most people know tummy time, right? That's what it's called. Putting your baby on your on their tummy, your child on the tummy is really important, but again, you know, most professionals don't know what's the frequency, intensity, and duration that you should do that for. Right,
0: which is what you guys are for. Yeah. But and, and skipping those steps. I mean, what you guys have learned, I mean, over 65 years, starting with the great Glenn Doman, is, is, is all that information. Not just how does the brain work, but for your child with this injury, in this part of the brain, with these symptoms, here's the program here's the frequency here's the intensity here's the duration i mean and it's holistic yeah which i think is the powerful that's the that's the secret sauce i mean this this combination of the truths about the brain and how it works but specifically for my child what do i need yeah how do i treat this injury Right, exactly, and like just
2: g- taking that example of crawling and creeping, if there are any parents watching this right now who have a child with dyslexia or learning difficulty or just about any special need, um, I urge them to to just get down on the floor with their child and try to do a little bit of crawling and creeping with them, see how your child crawls on their belly and creep on their hands and knees and parents will probably observe that their child is not doing it in a correct pattern. You know, very often with a child who's dyslexic, um, if I ask them, okay, let's just get down and crawl, the child, some children don't even know how to do it. This is a child who walks and runs, but you tell them to get down on their belly and go from there to there, and the child, um, You know just doesn't know how to do it and it's so So that's just like a disorganization it's it's that's right
1: it's a neurological disorganization so they often the the children that are considered dyslexic um didn't crawl or creep as a baby for one reason or another and maybe because of that mild brain injury um they skipped those areas and went you know right on to
0: you can't skip those areas I mean,
1: well, you can, unfortunately, but but you don't, you're going to pay a price. Yes. You're going to pay a price. So that's where
0: your program of teaching the.
2: Exactly. Because the, um, the area of the brain that is for visual control, right? That allows us to move our eyes and is called the midbrain, but the midbrain is also responsible for the ability to crawl and creep. So when, when a child crawls and creeps as a part of their natural development, uh, you know. This is just the way Mother Nature has has arranged for it. But they, as they crawl and creep, they are also getting the activity that is needed for uh, for visual control. They're going to need that in the future for reading. And so, if they skip those stages or they don't have them, it could reap you know it could create all kinds of problems for them later on with reading.
0: Last question, real quick. So conver- So lack of being able to converge two eyeballs taking two pictures, yeah. and making it one. That can be fixed. I mean, it's, absolutely. So, so somebody who sure. can't converge, can converge with a program. Absolutely, absolutely. it's essential, yeah. you know, for right. success. We're out of time. I can't believe it. <laughs> um, this is so powerful, you guys. Um, if you're watching this, again, if you have a neighbor, a friend, a child, a nephew. Uh, who has reading difficulties, learning dis- difficulties, dyslexia, has been diagnosed with any from, anything from dyslexia to autism to any of these categories of brain injuries, I really encourage you to go to domeninternational.org, get a hold of these folks. Uh, they can help. Um, it can be life-changing, a child like we just talked about, a child who can't read um, can become a child who can read, and that's a life-changing event. And I, in my opinion, known them 17 years, and these folks are the, the authorities on helping that happen. So thank you guys for coming. We'll see you next time.